0: The best thing you can do for a person is to inspire them. That's the best currency you can offer, inspiration. So when a person can really rely on you for that, that empowers them in every realm of their life, being inspired. It empowers them in their relationships, in their business, in their art, in their creativity. It empowers them because without inspiration, you're dry. Nipsey hustle. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, guys. I know I'm, like, the cousin who disappears from family reunions and then shows up like nothing. Like, yeah, I've been here this whole time. Like, uh, no, you haven't. Either way, I'm back. What's up, guys? Melalita here. Reporting from Miami. Um, today I have an episode that just goes through like a range of emotions but um you know what let's get to it let's do a little bit of housekeeping first um remember you guys follow me on social media um ig sugarbee podcast miami and then my snapchat is milliliter 23 hit me up Um, as you know, you can listen to this podcast on all your favorite platforms, including Anchor and Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called and Google Podcasts. Um, let's see. You guys heard the intro song. You already know what I've been on for like the past two weeks. My dog Lil Nas X. I love this kid. (laughs) Old old Town Road, okay. <laughs> My hat is Matty Black with the boots. black to match. I love it. Um, I don't like country, okay? I've been having someone who's been trying to get me into country and I'm like, nah, I'm okay. But I have to love this song. Like can't nobody tell me nothing. Like I I I love this song. It's so catchy. It's so memeable. Like I have so there are so many dank memes out there for old um old town Rune. And um I absolutely love it. Like I love that like the video quote unquote is like pretty much Red Dead Redemption visualizer. Love it. Um it's now as of I think as of today, it's the now number one on the hot 100 billboard charts so congrats to my brother Lil Nas X for that um, it's funny cause this was after being removed as like the number one song on the country charts like a week or two ago so um, yeah man like who needs to be number one on the country charts when you could just be number one in general Um, like I said, like, oh my gosh, I follow Lil Nas X on, um, on IG, and he's so cute. He's a baby. I think he just turned, like, 20, like, a couple days ago. And so he, he's, and if you look at his, like, face, he's a baby. I'm like, oh, he's so cute. I just, like, love him. Like, I'm just like, yes, do you, boo-boo, do you. So support him. Um, as we know, out of the backlash that came from Lil Nas X being removed from the country charts, Billy Ray Cyrus then jumped in on this remix, and he's like, it is country. So, I don't know, what makes, I guess, what makes country country? Like, what makes a country song country enough to be on the country billboard charts? I don't know the answer. I don't know if I I know anyone personally who who, who has an answer to that. Because I don't really have that many friends that listen to country, if any at all. So, um, yeah, let me know your thoughts, you guys. Um, another thing that's happening today... Tonight was D-Wade's last regular season home game. Which, actually, I think it's his last game in general. Or last home game in general. Because, um... Um the Heat are the tenth seed for the playoffs, so we're like pretty much not making it. I don't know how many games are left, T B H like away games, but I think it's like pretty clear we're not making it to the playoffs, which it's okay. It's like thank you, D Wade. Um I was watching some of like the videos that they were posting from from like the beginning, like before they started playing. They did, like, a little ceremony and did, like, a whole thing for him. And, you know, like, it's hard not to cry. Like, and, and you know, I, I, like, I, 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 you know, as a Miamian, like, it's kind of like, wow, you realize D-Wade's been playing since, I think, 2003? So that's, like, about, what, like, however many seasons that is. Um... <laughs> Over ten seasons, like what, fifteen, sixteen seasons, or something like that, and so it's like really crazy, because I think about him like yeah, D Wade has been playing as long as I've been in high school, and or or since I was in high school, and so it's crazy to think that he like he's just like like you know obviously become a um a household name, he became you know D Wade County, okay, and um. It's like, thank you. Thank you for everything. You know what I mean? Like, D-Wade has been awesome with our city. Like, you know, he left. <laughs> but obviously, he didn't last that long being somewhere else. And I think when he went to Chicago, it was kind of like, oh, let me go home and try to do something at home. But I think he realized that, like, this is home now. You know what I mean? Like, he really has... um always been super involved with, like, our community. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's definitely like a big proponent of giving back and, like I said, staying involved with our community and building with us. And so, like, he loves Miami. And, you know, he's very vocal about it. Like, he loves it here. So, I had a feeling he would come back. (laughs) I'm really glad that he chose to retire with us, though. Like, that that really means a lot. It, you know, he's family. I'm gonna miss him so much. Um, you know, like, he, he's definitely gonna be missed. We love him a lot. I can't wait to see what comes out of this next generation of ball players out here. Um, you know, hopefully another D-Wade. And then, um... I don't know I guess like UD will be retiring one day too (laughs) I guess um but yeah so check out those videos like from the the ceremony it's really nice uh and then I think that's pretty much it as far as things I kind of wanted to like mention um in other news as we know Last week, um, our brother Nipsey Hussle passed away. He was killed. He was killed, um, outside of his marathon store in LA. At the very young age of 33 years old. And, like I said, it's been emotional. Because, it's funny, like a month ago, I was... I was riding around, I was listening to, like, our old school station that we have out here in Miami, which I love that station, by the way, 92.7, um, shout out, and whoever was mixing at that particular time, they played, like, a Tupac song, and then they played a Biggie song, and I was like, yo, that's crazy, like, how crazy is that, like, ha, (laughs) ha, ha, he played one right after the other. And then at that time, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Thank God. Like, in recent times, we have not had a major musician from the hip-hop community, a major rapper, pass away as a result of, like, violence. Whether it's gang-related or not, right? That was my thought. I'm like, you know what? Thank God, like, we haven't had, like, this, like, this this very you know impactful situation happened in the hip-hop community i mean obviously if you're talking about like little time rappers i'm sure there, there have been those types of situations but as far as like someone that's like a slightly more mainstream and that's why nipsey hustle's not really like super mainstream but we all knew him like you know he's been around for a minute um But I was thinking about it that day, and I was like, you know what, thank God that we don't have to go, we're not, we haven't had to go through that. In this particular decade, at least, you know, um, Biggie and Tupac were killed in, what, 95, 96? So, you know, it was a good 20 years, 20-something years of peace that we had. And then, so when I got the news about, about, you know, Nipsey, it was just, like, totally blew my mind. Which, by the way, Tupac was killed in 96, I think. So I think that means Biggie was killed in 97. So yeah, like, more than, you know, 20 years. And so, when I got the news about Nipsey, like, I couldn't even believe it, because I was like, it, it was so, like not even out there but yeah like out there so strange that I was like no way um and so it's really it's really crazy to think that stuff like this is still going on you know I know they've said that like the whole like air colder thing like it wasn't a gang related thing it was like a personal problem but still like you know street violence for lack of a better word right um right now Eric Holder is going through judicial proceedings. He pled not guilty, so let's see how that goes. I'm assuming he's going to go to trial. He's actually being represented by the guy who was the prosecutor on the OJ case. So, I don't even I don't even know, man. TBH, I, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what what to think of of that. I know, like, a lot of people are like, oh my god, (laughs) he's such a traitor. And I'm like, "I I guess, but, like, it's just, like, strange. It's just strange. I'm so sorry about that noise, guys. That was my dog. Being loud and bored, apparently. Um... Yeah, the whole situation is just really strange. I don't even know what to think of it. Like, I guess let's see what happens, um, you know, as as time leads on. Um, the memorial service for NIP will be on Thursday. This Thursday, actually. And it's so crazy because they're doing the memorial service at the Staples Center. You know, like, where the Lakers play basketball. And so... Yesterday, I think was when they announced this memorial, or that they were gonna put like the tickets, on quote sale, so it was free. But you know, obviously, it's an arena. You can't let everybody who wants to walk in walk in. You you know, you have limited amount of seating, so they were like, yeah, just get your free tickets online, and the tickets sold out in under an hour, which is crazy, crazy. Um, you know, there have been, like, little, like, candlelight vigils and, and, and services and things like that all around the country, and it's, like, really inspiring to see how people have come together, you know, and, like, hopefully this means that his death won't be in vain, you know what I mean? Um... It's, they even had, they they even did something out here in Miami, um, I don't remember the name of the place, but it was out here in Miami, they did something, which I was like, kind of like, damn, I'm, (laughs) I feel crunchy that I missed it, like, I found out about it after when I saw their pictures on IG, but, you know, um, can't win all of them, I guess, but I'm hoping there will be a live stream for this Nipsey Hussle um memorial service. I don't know that there will be. As far as I've seen, there hasn't. I haven't seen any movement or any um talk about that, about them like live streaming it or broadcasting it. If I find out, I'll put the link up. You know. Um on instagram and here like on the podcast so you guys can tune in and then also they announced today that they're gonna do like essentially a 25 mile procession so basically what they're gonna do i guess they're gonna go from like the staples center and then they're gonna go they're actually gonna um do like the procession by his store by marathon Um, and then they're just going to basically go around South LA to different neighborhoods that he impacted and that he worked in and contributed to. So I think that's really beautiful. Um, the family chose to do it like that. They said because they wanted to give, I guess, like a chance to everybody who wanted to like be a part of that, um, service experience, whatever you want to call it. They wanted to give people the chance to participate, especially knowing that, not everybody was going to be able to make it to the Staples Center. So I think that's really considerate of them because, you know, like it's for the family, it's their time of grieving. They don't have to do anything for anybody. And so whenever an artist or an entertainer or a public figure like this passes away and the family opens up, their time of mourning and grieving like that for the public, like, it's very touching to me because that's such an intimate and private moment. And, <clears throat> you know, they're being very selfless by letting the fans be a part of that and go through their grieving process as well. Um, as we know, Nipsey Hussle survived by his daughter, by his fiancée, I'm not sure, but girlfriend, fiance, woman, whatever you want to call her, Lauren London, and, you know, they have a kid together. And so, um, you know, he's gone, but not forgotten. Like, he has, clearly, by, like, what we've seen, like, the outpouring in the community, clearly he has made a lasting impact on a lot of people's lives. You know here and he has a legacy a beautiful legacy to show for it because when you look at his story how he went from like gang-banging you know what I mean to contributing so much to his community and making such a big change in his lifestyle it it's real crazy, cause it's like wow, like if he can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? Like what am I doing? And um, you know, everyone knows about Nipsey Hustle. He was he's a hustler, like he he was really into his entrepreneurship, and he really wanted to pass that down to the next to to his generation and pass it down to the next generation. You know what I mean? Like he had his hand in so many different things, and all of it to, you know, at the end, to build up the black community to stop gang violence. Like, that was his goal. And so, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's crazy because it really makes you think about all the people that we've lost. Not just the gang violence or street violence, but all the influential and and powerful people that we've lost that you're like wow what if they would have had five more years what what could they have done people who were killed not passed away people who were killed prematurely who were you know like what could what more could they have done and so I think for us the important thing is to not just sit here and wonder oh my god what could he have done like what was he up to and not just studying them but also seeing like what can we do like how can we continue that and like I said make it so that their deaths are not in vain you know like it's super cool to like When you watch his interviews and stuff, one, he's so full of wisdom. He's got so much, like, wisdom and, like, love to, like, share and, like, pour out on the world. It's, like, you can't get enough. Like, I love listening to him speak. You know what I mean? But he, you know, he had his hand in so many things, you know. He was working on, um, on, you know, promoting young black children more into, like, the STEM, um, sciences, and he was into, you know, cryptocurrency. He was, like, really about promoting black financial health, like, going out there and, like, really, um, you know, investing, investing and in being able to give back to our community, you know, like, building our communities, rebuilding our communities, um, Like, he was very about, I'ma buy up the block and we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And I love it because, um, I know I read somewhere that when, in one of his interviews, he mentioned about how he was discouraged from putting up, like, you know, the Marathon store. He was encouraged, like, they were like, don't build a physical store, just do an online store. But then in an article that I was reading, he, he kind of talked about the importance to him of having a physical store in his neighborhood where, like, you know, um, the community can come out and, like, see themselves in a store, see themselves in a physical place. And I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. You know, and and it's nothing, it's not a new concept. It's just, um, I think when we get so caught up in our own thing, w- and we lose sight of what we wanted to do or what we should be doing. And so to have someone else do it and kind of, like, pave the way and, like, help with, like, the visualization part of it, like, I think that's amazing. And so, um... You know we we lost we lost a good one, and you know I want to send my condolences out to his family because this is like this is a tough one, and you know us as a community, like you know in the hip hop community we need to stick together and really promote health wealth and well being, like within ourselves because, the these types of like violent behaviors and uh, you know no one wins in the end. And so, you know, we just got to stick together. Um, in listening to some of his interviews in, like, the past week or so that he passed away, um, he mentioned, he talked about, he, like, sort of um mentioned, you know, like, a scene from Black Panther. And it it, it reminded me that I wanted to do, actually, like, kind of, like, a Black Panther a year later review. Um, since I didn't have the podcast when the movie came out. (laughs) And so, like, you know, I felt like, you know what, like, even with, like, the themes of Black Panther, like, this is, like, kind of, like, perfect, you know, for, um, like, what I'm talking about right now. And so, like, yeah. That's what we're going to do. Um basically I'm just going to talk a little bit about Black Panther. I rewatched it again. Like I had rewatched it, you know, in February we watched it again, you know, wanted to keep it fresh and make sure I didn't miss anything that I wanted to add. Um so the scene that he was talking about was like <laughs> If anything, the most impactful scene in the whole movie, which was, like, at the very end. And he was just talking about, um, how he could relate to that. Um, I don't want to say this scene quite yet. (laughs) But, you know what, guys? Um, stick around for the review. Um, just so you guys know. The review is going to be super spoilerific. So if you for some reason have not seen the movie and you wanted to see the movie and you don't want the movie to be spoiled, do not continue past this part. Ma- the the second act of this episode will be a spoiler spoilerific review of Black Panther. So, please, I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody because it's such a good movie. If you want, if you have not seen, let me repeat it again, okay? Three times, three times a charm. If you have not seen Black Panther and you are planning on watching it, do not proceed to the second part of this episode. Because I will spoil it for you. I'm not, like, I mean, I, like, I could only get so much in depth because there's so much to unpack in this movie. But it will be full of spoilers. So please do not continue if you do not want the movie to be ruined for you. Now, if you have seen it and you just want to listen to my thoughts, continue on. Alright guys, here we go. And I'm gonna put, I'm gonna just put this warning out there again, because I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody. Guys, I am about to do a spoiler review of Black Panther, okay? So, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, do not listen past this point. Alright, hey guys, what's going on? We're talking about Black Panther, um... I loved it. <laughs> uh, I, like, where do I begin? I mean, look, we all know Black Panther. We all know it's not the first black superhero movie. Whatever. But, or not the very first one. But it's definitely the first mainstream, modern, black superhero movie. We can all agree on that. Why do I love Black Panther? One, the casting was amazing. Everything about this movie was amazing. Okay? I'm gonna go through it. Um, so let me take you back to a time, a simpler time, or not even a simpler time, a more sad time, I think. (laughs) Um, February of last year, February of 2018. I mean, like... The hype for Black Panther was so freaking real and you know what? It lived up to the hype. I remember like you know, I was like me and my friends were like, Yeah, we're gonna go to the midnight showing, like we bought our tickets early. I like I made like these crazy snaps. Maybe I'll share it with you guys. Um <laughs> Of me like getting ready for Black Panther. Mind you, we had just come off of the heels of, you know, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, right? Which was like just a beautiful piece, work of art. And then to find out that he was like executive producing and he was on some tracks for the Black Panther, Black Panther, well, Black Panther album it was like oh my god my hype is reaching maximum level like Kendrick's on this what I believe in this soundtrack which meant this the, the songs in the movie were gonna be amazing right and I remember like I put on um I mean you know obviously Humble was like the banger from Damn but I put on like DNA right and I was just like yeah like I was so feeling it I was like I was, like, so feeling myself that day. I was just like, yes, I am black, and I'm proud. And, I mean, like, I think, I don't know. I guess I've always been that way. You know what I mean? Like, I've always been very proud to be black. But, I don't know. And, you know, I love Black History Month. But, I don't know. Something about, like, going to see Black Panther in, move, in the movie theater was just crazy to me and I was just you know I remember getting ready I was super hyped I was just like yo I'm, I'm ready I'm riding I remember I wore I'm gonna tell you what I wore right I did like these like nice little braid situation um you know regular like white blouse but I wore like this beautiful necklace that I actually got in Panama and like it's funny because I remember, like, after the movie, we went out. <laughs> um, and then, like, I, you know, one of the bouncers, like, wherever we are at, he was like, okay, I see you, I see you, Wakanda forever. I was like, okay. Like, I was like, yes, boy, yes. Like, yes, my homie. We out here right now, we out here. But, okay, <laughs> let's get into the movie. So that was my experience going to see Black Panther, um, with Black Panther. It was just, like, such a beautiful movie from start to finish, both visually and emotionally. So I enjoyed myself. And then, um, you know, for, like, a couple years now, I've been on this thing where I don't watch trailers anymore. So I went into Black Panther, blind like i had not seen any trailers so i had no clue what was gonna happen what anything looked like um because you know i made special care to not really pay attention to the news and you know what let me tell you something ever since i stopped watching trailers i enjoy the movies more so that's gonna be the one thing but anyways all right let's go let's jump into it um as we know Black Panther won numerous awards, including the Oscars for Best Original Score, Best Original Score, Best Costume Design, Best Production Design. So, um, which were, like, I mean, those three are, like, amazing awards to win anyway. So, we did pretty good. They won a lot more awards. Too many to list. Um, (laughs) you know, we can always look it up. So, um, let's talk about the cast. Yo, what a cast. What an incredible cast. They got some good, you know some good oldies, some good people that we were already like getting to know and then you know they introduced a lot of new people too that we were able to get so like that's really cool and I love like when a movie can do that it's like yes yeah, like melding between um, the vets and some new people on the scene just to basically the main cast who are we talking about of course Chadwick Boseman Boseman? Boseman? I don't know Chadwick <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Alright. Let's talk about Angela Bassett. Yes. Letitia Wright. Andy Circus. Daniel Kaluuya, Okay, Denai Guerrera. Winston Duke. My dog. And Sterling K. Brown. Forrest Whitaker. I mean like amazing, an amazing well-rounded cast what was also cool about this cast the representation why do i say representation because these were all black people from different parts of the world from different ethnicities who spoke different languages who had different accents amazing all right because you have got Latin America, you've got, you do, you've got the Caribbean, alright, you've got parts of Africa, you've got Europe in there, you've got everyone mixed up, you've got America, I love it, because that's what being black is about, alright, we are not, and let me tell you, this is my overall thought with, um, representation in the media, right, it's not about telling one story it's or telling this story it's about telling all stories not every story is the same not every black person is the same I can't speak for every black person out there why because I am not they (laughs) I have my own experience and that was actually the whole point of me you know starting this podcast I was like you know what there's so many stories that are like mine out there. So I'm gonna put mine out there. And there's so many that are different from mine. So I wanna hear them. So that's where you know, that's where I'm coming coming from with that. So, you know, just seeing like the incredible diversity and I think showing people wow. Even in casting black characters, there's incredible diversity. Even in that, you know that like that's precious and it's beautiful right um like i said you know representation is is incredibly powerful and what i think a lot of people don't realize with black panther and like let me tell you a lot of the things I felt watching it this year are things I felt the first time I watched it. I still feel the same way. I still feel, like, the same level of, uh, not, not only, like, Black Pride, but I'm proud of the movie, okay? Proud of Ryan Coogler for coming out here and doing it and showing and, and showcasing this beautiful piece of art. But, um... When it comes to representation, there's nothing like seeing someone, like, who looks like you on the screen. There's nothing like finding a doll that looks like you, that has your skin color. Um, you know, one of the most popular stories in my household about representation. What, you know, like, for the people who who live here in Miami. I live in Kendall, Right. Kendall is a predominantly white and Hispanic neighborhood, you know, like, literally, I was having a conversation the other day with someone about how my closest hair store is a good 20 minutes away, like, I had to jump on the highway to get to my hair store, alright, um, and I remember, like, growing up, I wanted, like, Barbie sheets, right, and my mom could not find these barbie sheets in, in our local stores. And my mom had to drive down south, past where my hair store is, by the way. My mom had to drive, you know, almost an hour south to, like, the Kmart in, like, Homestead. To go find, which, if you guys look at the map, you'll see how far it is. To go find black barbie sheets just because up here they didn't have black barbie sheets um even when I got older when I was turning 15 you know I was doing my quinceañera I did a quinceañera and um you know like one of the things in the quincea is to have like a doll like a doll and a cake whatever so you have like a doll that has like the same color dress as you So, (laughs) um, we're hunting around and we could not find a doll that had a dress like me. There was no Black Kinset dolls, like legit, they did not exist. Black Kinsa dolls, and, or even like the tan Kinsa dolls were like light tan, you know, um, they weren't, like, dark enough to try to pass as, like, a doll that could be close to my skin complexion, because I'm not even, like, that dark, I don't think, I don't know. But I remember when we were, 15, you know, when I was turning 15, we, us going to the stores where they had, like, all the and stuff, and there were just no quinceañeras for me, no little dolls, like, we, like, it was really hard to find stuff, and I remember, I remember, because so they sold, like, little dolls, like, to put, like, on the cake and stuff and on the table, like, the little, like, ceramic porcelain, whatever you want to call it, and, um, yeah, no, they, like, we ended up selling blue tan ones, <laughs> but, I, like, for the doll part, you know, there was no doll, so my mom, what she did, like, she found, like, a little, like, a mannequin, um, like, yeah, like a little mannequin. You know, like the ones that people use to sew, but this one was like really pretty because it was like for decoration for a house. So it's like really pretty and silver. And so she just, my mom's a seamstress. She made like a replica dress of mine for this little mannequin, and that's what we use as the doll. So things like that, representation is important. Okay. Um. So, seeing something like Black Panther on the big screen and just being so mainstream was just, like, so important for us, for sure. And, you know, we're hoping, I'm hoping that it'll open the doors and continue to, like, um, show Black excellence, show Black beauty, and, um, hopefully, you know, usher in a wave of representation in our media. Um... I know one of the biggest things for me in Black Panther was watching, like, the part in the beginning where they're flying into Wakanda, it was breathtaking. (laughs) Like, you know, it kind of reminded me, the feeling it gave me is the feeling I get, um in this one particular part of Miami like it's my favorite drive not my favorite view per se but it's my favorite drive in Miami it's like when you're going on I-95 Yeah, you keep going south. Um, So, if you're going from the north to the south, you're going to be making a left. And it's that exit. I want to say it's like 2nd Avenue, 1st Avenue. I don't know. But, basically, that particular bridge, that ramp, it takes you like you're going like right. It drops you like right in the middle of downtown. So, you're like going into the buildings. I don't know if any of you guys want to ride with me when you come to Miami or if you're here and you want to ride with me and I'll show you what I'm talking about I would love to show you because it is so like I don't know to me it takes my breath away because I'm like man my is beautiful you know um, and so that flying that part where they fly into Wakanda and we see Wakanda from like the air for the first time that's how I felt You know what I mean? Like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, I had never, you know, they don't portray African countries as being lush, as being green and being open, like beautiful countries. So it's kind of like, wow, it's like nice to see it in such a beautiful light. Um, so the filming that we see, like the the like air like landscape shots that we see turns out we're in South Africa Zambia and Uganda so fun fact um that was the first tier of the movie by the way (laughs) um if you guys did not hear the Spider-Man review or you haven't seen like my stats when I review movies I do stars and so, that was the first year of the movie. You guys will see the tally later. Um, like, I teared up, for sure. I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's cool because, you know, like, the different shots of Wakanda, and what I love about this, you know, portrayal in this movie is, like, you see Wakanda is not just contemporary nation, right? In this movie, in particular. It's not like, oh, it's an updated nation, or it's an up-to-date nation. No. It is a nation that is leading. It is a nation that is ahead. Like, we're not talking about contemporary, we're talking about a futuristic African nation, which we don't ever get to see, so it's kind of like, wow, like, I never thought about this before, and like I said, I hope this opens the doors for other directors, other, um, you know, leaders in, in media, different media, um, to go ahead and portray their vision as well, um, what I love about Wakanda is that it's, like, the melting of... Tradition and innovation. And it's funny because like, it reminds me a lot of what I see in Colombia because... And this was something that I, I spoke with some friends about. Here, it's like, because here in the United States, we're the ones who make a lot of the innovations. It's like, we're the ones who kind of go through the progression, right? Right. So we slowly get into these in into these innovations and things. But in a lot of like developing countries, they jump I don't know if that makes any sense. So like for instance, like here, um the best example I can think of is like here we probably had to go like the school phones, right? We had to go through the development of a Blackberry, like the Blackberry, or let's go with the sidekicks, the razors, you know, crappy cameras, all of that, no flash. Then we had to go through the Blackberry and the iPhone, no flash, no flash. But then finally one day, the phone starts having flash. The phone's, you know, so then you suddenly get like all this better picture quality when a lot of these countries, right, maybe those developments were not financially possible for people for like you know the the, the majority of the population but then they reach a point where suddenly the most up-to-date phone or even like the second most up-to-date phone is now affordable so, they go from having, you know, a burner phone to having, like, an iPhone 6 in a matter of, like, three or four years as opposed to going through, like, the progression of crappy phones that we have. So, it's like we we see that dichotomy of ultra-innovation, but also still maybe, like, a lot of really old things, like, a lot. like And like I said, I see it when I go to Colombia. It's like, there's, like, a lot of really like traditional things but also a lot of innovations so it's interesting to um you know consolidate that into one experience and so it's cool to see it on screen um (laughs) in talking about representation the women in the film the women of Wakanda yo let me tell you Yes, the main two people were Michael B. Jordan and, you know, protagonist villain or protagonist antagonist, Black Panther, Killmonger, but the women of this film make this film. They make the Black Panther and that's cool. That's amazing you have all these women who have their own agency, who have their own voices, their own experiences and, it's, and, and they're just black women in different roles, doing different things and I love it Okoye she's a general brother, best warrior of the country and she's got and she's still got like a lot of grace while doing it, I love it you got Nakia, she's a spy. Also very graceful. Can slip, can slip in and out. Very smart. Very she's very um, empathetic towards people. She wants to help people. She doesn't want the traditional role in life. You have Shuri, she is a tech genius. She's the she is the one who's heading up the innovative technological advances in this country. You've got Ramanda, Queen Mother. I love it. You know, like she she's she's humble but she's strong. Like all these women in this yo. And it was really cool because there was like a lot of shots in the movie where you would see Black Panther surrounded by his women, by the women in his life, his friend, the love of his life, his sister, his mother, like, I love it, love it, love it, love it, um, let's talk about the villain, let's talk about Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan Eric Stevens as Killmonger was an amazing casting. The way that they wrote Killmonger was pretty gosh darn intuitive like, wow, this is definitely the most vivid and dimensional villain that I've ever seen in a Marvel movie, maybe in general. Like, this is, Killmonger is the villain that you find yourself sort of agreeing with throughout the whole movie, and then they're like, oh yeah, (laughs) he's bad though, and you're like, is he? Like, I guess, and so, you know. What I like about the um, the contrast between Black Panther and Killmonger, right, is that T'Challa—it's like false neutrality right, that's what T'Challa and Wakanda represent in this movie in particular, at this particular time in the Marvel Universe false neutrality yes they're not engaging in warfare and they're but they're also choosing to turn a blind eye to countries, to a people that they could be helping with their advances in technology and and weaponry Yes, but then, <laughs> so, you know what I mean, like, false neutrality, like, uh, it's not really the right thing, but it's nothing, it's just indifference, almost, um, and then you've got Killmonger, who you're like, wow, his methods are horrible, but I see why, what I, like, you see what led him there. Because definitely, you know, I think um, a lot of us, a lot of the things that, like, Kim Hunger was talking about, a lot of that anger, you know what, I saw a lot of that anger that I've felt before, that you know your brother has felt before, that your sister has felt before, so you're like, wow, I see why he would feel like that, you know, look at the circumstances, and so it's kind of crazy, um, to see that contrast, um, Michael B. Jordan, is it beautiful? Okay. Evil. It's sexy on him. I like I didn't like to me like Michael B. Jordan is like cute, you know, like he's cute. But then when I saw this movie, I was like, ooh. Okay. <laughs> hey. What's up? Um He plays a great, audacious American. Hey Auntie, like what? Ooh. What boy? What?
1: Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: Like he, he definitely plays the role very well. Um, you know, he's brash, he's outspoken, he doesn't care, and I think that's what a lot of people think about Americans. So there you go. That's 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 what we're looking at. Um, what's cool? side note about or what's interesting about like, you know, when we first meet killmonger in the movie, when we first meet Eric, it's in the British Museum. He's checking out the West Africa exhibit and he's looking at um you know, the different masks and weapons and stuff that they have on display and so he's talking to a museum curator and, you know, she's telling him, Oh yeah, this came from here, this came from this country, this era So, he asks her to identify an object and she identifies it as being from Benin, Benin I believe, and he was like, no, it was picked up in Benin, but it was really from Wakanda, and that's Vibramium, and then whatever, he's like, oh, I'll be happy to take that off your hands, and she's like, it's not for sale. And he's like, oh, how do you think your ancestors got this? Do you think they paid a fair price? I was like, ooh. Ooh. Um, The irony is I've been seeing a lot of articles lately about how there are museums in Britain that are debating whether or not they should be returning artifacts that were originally stolen from African countries or not, like, should those artifacts, should those museum pieces be returned to the country of origin, so, just wanted to put it out there, that's very interesting, um, yeah, no, like, let me tell you, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, great casting. Another thing I really was re- that, you know I really liked about the movie and one thing that we definitely all noticed who watched it, Lion King vibes all the way. Um which brings me to my second tier of the movie. So, you know, T'Challa he he gets transported to the ancestral plane and he sees his father. Well, he sees the tree uh, full of Black Panthers, his ancestors. And then his father comes down and talks to him. And... It was really emotional. One, because we know the original score is amazing. So, the between the score and, like, it's, like, T'Challa speaking with his dad, who has passed on. And the colors... It was very, very, like, Mufasa. You know what I mean? Like, Simba, remember who you are. Like, that part of the movie, for sure, was very reminiscent of <laughs> the Lion King. And, and, you know, like, the child was talking to his dad, like, I just want to be a good king. And, um, you yeah, know, like, when his dad was like, It's hard for a good man to be king. I was
1: like, wow.
0: Wow. Like, it's very profound, you know, like, crazy. Anyway, um, so, you know, like, that was really, it was really beautiful. And like I said, this movie gets me emotional, so I have to be crying the whole time. But, um. Which brings me to tier number three. T'Chaka killing N'Jabu. Oh my gosh. Like, damn, you you really just killed your own brother. That, (sighs) rough, 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 man. And that's that, like, N'Jabu was just trying to make the point to 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 T'Chaka, yeah, sometimes. That they needed to help black people in LA or in California or in the U.S. Like, he's just like, like, I'm trying to remember what was it exactly. He said, he said their leaders have been assassinated. Their communities have been flooded with drugs and violence. And I was like, dang yo, Like, he, you know, he was like seeing it. He was like trying to relate it to Tataka as an outsider looking in but also someone who was like living it and so he was just like hey this is pretty messed up we should address this because we can address it and talk is like no dog which is actually what led N'Jabu to uh betray Wakanda cause he did what he thought was right and he got killed for it
1: by his own brother
0: I don't know crazy crazy <laughs> crazy crazy stuff crazy stuff um let's talk about wakabi <laughs> speaking of traitors <laughs> wakabi favorite by daniel daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, kills me because he's just so hard-headed and so stubborn that you're just like what's wrong with this guy So his attitude towards refugees, right? (laughs) He's like, if you let them in, they'll bring out their problems. (laughs) Like, I love that this movie is very, um, not subtle about where they stand on things, I guess. Or at least not subtle in, like, portraying certain people, right? Um, in another point in the movie. He's just like, hey, we don't have, or at least, I think it's not that same conversation. He's like, hey, we don't have to let them in, but if you want, we can go clean the world. And then it's like, what? Um, sounds familiar? Like, yeah, we'll go to you. Like, you know. Um, Wakabi, you know, kind of blindly follows Mostly, I think out of anger, though. Because I guess he felt betrayed or felt angry that, like, the child didn't avenge him. And since Killmonger was the one who killed, you know, Kla. he felt like, hey, I can, you know, align myself with this. But it's like, no, not everything's so black and white, you know? Um... Yeah, Wakabi just kind of like was, was like it's like just effed up from the beginning. His redeeming moment, his redeeming moment, because they had to give him one. They were like, okay, he can't be really stupid the whole time. Like we need to redeem him before this movie ends. Is um you know because him and Okoye, because Okoye I think like. Didn't necessarily agree with him on his views, but agree like they ended up being on the same side of things because like Okoye was like, okay, I will, you know, I, I I serve the throne, so I, you know, I gotta follow this too And but at the end, Okoye and and Wakabi did not agree, and they were fighting essentially, and. Basically, you know, she's just like, drop your sword, and he was taking it out, and then she looked like, like, are you really gonna, like, slash at me right now? But then he, like, threw his weapon on the ground, and he knelt down in front of her. And I was like, dang. (laughs) Okay, Koya, teach me something. Teach me what I don't know. Um... But yeah, that was his redeeming moment. The fact that he, like, dropped his weapon, decided not to fight with his girlfriend, love of his life, and knelt down before her, and then so the rest of the tribe stopped fighting too. So, that was his redeeming moment. Um, yeah, but, (laughs) Wakabi was hard to like. (laughs) Um, You know, like, it's crazy, because, um, like I said, with Killmonger's mission, it's hard not to agree, because it's like, wow, what kind of did turn their back on their people though? Like, that's nuts. So, you know, it's like, this is one of the few movies where really agree with the villain. Not his methods, but you agree with his line of thought at the very least. Um, you kind of see where he's coming from. Let me talk to you guys about tier number four, though. Tier number four was when Zuri, played by Forrest Whitaker, got killed. Like, cause, you know, this is when T'Challa and Eric are fighting for the throne for who gets to be the king of Wakanda, right? So basically the child is losing (laughs) and like, and Eric's about to like kill him and Zuri gets in the middle and he's like, stop. And then I don't know what was it that Eric said to him and he was like, oh yeah. Something like, oh, like hey Uncle James. And I was like, and like, I didn't catch that The first or second time I I watched it. I caught it the third time when I watched it today. So, I hadn't thought about it, right? Because, as you know, like, Eric is however old, nine years old, ten years old, when they killed his dad. But really, his dad was, like, either living with or hanging around with Zuri, right? Right? so that means that at least for those first few years freaking zuri was like you know what i mean like like um eric had grown up with zuri calling him uncle james so it's like dog you just killed your uncle james like that to me it hurt on such a, like, on a much more profound level this time. Like, you know, before it was like, oh, it's sad that Zuri dies, you know? But it's like, back when he's looking like, at yeah, Uncle James. I'm just like, whoa, like, dang. You just did that to your teal, though? Oh my god. So, that was my tier number four, <laughs> by the way. Um... Yeah, that was that was rough for me. I was like, whoa. Dang. Like that. Um some other notes. You know. Okoye and Nikiya. If he knows her, she said hi. My dog is never a very loud dog. She doesn't bark or anything, so that's the most you're gonna get. So, it's very interesting to see also the contrast between Nikia and Okoye and their methods. Cause, um, you know, Okoye, like, so basically, monger quote kills T'Challa oh yeah by the way that would have been I guess a little bit more profound if he like you know like I was really upset when like T'Challa got killed but then I thought about it I was like well there's a whole bunch of other movies he needs to be in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so I guess he can't be dead right let me tell you we were still living in like the early 2000s where we didn't know what movie was coming next that would have sucked that part I probably cried a lot more (laughs) um some things that impacted me so like I said Nakia and Okoye they're talking Nakia is like hey Come and help us overthrow this bad guy. And she's like, oh no, but I'm loyal. Like, Okoye is like, I'm loyal to the throne. And Nakia's like, so you're gonna follow this thing? And she's like, I have to I'm loyal to whoever sits there. And then, you know, is like, well, I love my country too. And she, so then Okoye is like, then you will serve your country. And is like, no, I will save my country. Profound. Take it how you want it. Apply it to how you do whatever you want. Just saying. I loved it. Um, let's talk about tier number five. Tier number five was a big one. There were a lot of big ones. I just spent the whole movie crying. It's pretty much
1: just what happened.
0: Um. Game number five is when Eric goes to the ancestral plane. He goes and he's in his old apartment where his dad lived. And so it's like he walks in as a man. But then once his dad shows up on the scene, they they portray him as a boy. And I was like, yo, that's nuts. It's like, and and what you see is that it's still a child that's hurting. Like, these... This pain didn't come out of nowhere. This this pain was something that was created
1: when he was a child,
0: right? By whoever's mistakes you want to say it is. Um... was like, some no tears to and Eric is like, people die every day, that's how it is around here, and you know, his dad has like, tears in his eyes, and he's just like, well, look what I've done, and I was like, wow, wow, because sometimes, you know, like, these, these external factors, like, or, you know, there's things that, like, maybe we expose our kids to it by accident, you know, or we think we're, we're helping them, and then we create, you know, something that's so much worse, and then, I mean, you can unpack this a lot of different ways, right, this whole thing with Killmonger, it's either you can unpack it as, this is what we're doing to ourselves as a black community, like, we're treating each other like this. Like, we are treating, like, you know, which is what it comes down to, right? We are all black. We should all be treating each other correct. We are all, or a lot of us are all minorities. We should be working with each other as opposed to battling each other. But, so what happens when you have people with privilege? This is the commentary they think, um... Black Panther was trying to make with that when you have people with privilege like let's take people of color with privilege it's like sometimes you know those people don't want to share or feel like they cannot share because they have to protect themselves even though they have brothers and sisters out there who could use the help who could benefit and so what it comes down to It's like we have to help each other We have to open the door for each other Um It's funny cause like in the Nipsey Hussle Interview they were talking about how They were talking about how Nipsey Hussle Um Sampled Annie But Jay Z had already Sampled Annie and so Jay Z, when he got like the rights to sample Annie, basically he cut a deal where a rapper could sample uh, another other rappers could sample Annie without having to go to the original Annie people. Sino all they have to do is get it cleared from him. So it was helping, like, future people back from the 90s. And I was like, wow. And he was talking about, yeah, like, he opened that door for us. Like, he made it easier for us to have access to make it, you know, like, to, to get this beat, to sample this beat or sample this song. So I was like, wow, that's, like, amazing. Like, we need to support each other. You know what I mean? Um, And I think sometimes we lose sight of that we just, kinda, like, wait, you know, you gotta hustle for yourself, yeah, you like, watch out for yourself and say, yeah, but well, we can watch out for the next person, too, um, so, yeah, so, going back to tier number five, you know, he, like, he's talking to his dad and whatever, and then... He's talking about, oh yeah, you know, Wakanda, how he wanted to take Eric to Wakanda, blah, 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 and so then he goes, instead, we're both advancing here, and that made me like, I was already crying, but I was like, oh my god, (laughs) when he said that, because it just reminds me, um... It reminds me a lot... It's like... That's like the immigrant struggle right there. If there was anything that, like, really, I think, captivates, like, the immigrant struggle or sentiment when it comes to, like, immigrating here and creating life here is, instead, we're both abandoned here. Why does that impact me so? Because it's like when you're... And I say this coming from, like, I'm um, um, second-gen immigrant, right? Like, I was born here, my parents were not. But it's like, my parents grew up somewhere else, a completely different way of life, a different language, with their family intact. Then they came here, and they were separated from their family, you know? and they just had to really struggle and do their own thing and make it on their own, completely learn the language, (laughs) get a job, (laughs) get an apartment at some point. Like, that's crazy to me, because I'm like, would I have been able to do that, you know? Not having gone to school, like, would I have been able to go to another country not knowing the language and pick up a job and make it happen? I don't know and thankfully, I probably won't have to find out, not anytime soon, so, um, you know, be, like you know, I'm very close with, like, my mom's family, and, um, but they don't live here, none of them live here, my mom is the only one from our family who lives here in the U.S., and so, you know, like, you know, I'm so close with them, but I've never lived with them, you know, they're in another country so it's hard sometimes because sometimes you feel like you're neither here nor there right and I feel like that because I'm just like dang like my whole family is in another country and I love them a lot and I miss them a lot all the time because they're in here and they will never, they they or not they will never know, but not all of them. Only some of them, one day, might be able to, to come here and see what it's like over here. And so, it's hard because it's two completely different worlds, so you feel like you're in between both. So it's like, depending on where you're standing, you can either look at it as, I belong nowhere, because I'm not completely from here. I'm not completely from there either. Because it's like, could I live? Me? Could, I love going to, to Colombia. Could I live there? No. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm too Americanized. But I'm also too, like, Colombianized for, like, real America. Because we know Miami's not part of real America, right? So it's kind of like a weird spot to be in you're neither here nor there you're everywhere or you're nowhere depending on how you look at it so that tier number five was like a oof that hit my heart i was like ooh, i wasn't prepared for all these feet i was not prepared for all these feelings in black Panther. i'm gonna be real honest um tier number six Another ancestral plane tier. Is <laughs> um, T'Challa going to the ancestral plane the second time and he confronts his father? And his father was kind of like, you know, I did what I had to do to, you know, for our country. He's like, no, though, but. He's like, but it's your own fault that, like, it's your own fault that this kid is this angry and is now coming after us and threatening our country. So it's like, no, you really didn't save our country. And, you know, the kid, you know, he vows he to his dad that he's going to make it right. And there was actually something that Nakia said earlier in the movie that was beautiful, and I love it. You can't let your father's mistakes define who you are. And I was just like, yeah, man, like, we gotta, um, take accountability. And, you know, it's a balance between our history and our future. That's what the present is. It's a balance between those two. So, um... You know, you just got to be cognizant. I think that's the importance of learning our history so that we can make conscious decisions and not just go through the motions. And and we can make things actively better instead of just sliding by. Now we're going to, I'm going to bring you to the end. Tiers 7 through 10. Because really at the end of the movie It was one big long cry You guys One big long cry (laughs) Um You know T'Challa comes back (laughs) Fight Killmonger The tribes are fighting And you know For what they think is right You gotta fight For your right Mm -hmm. To pop they're fighting for what they thought was the correct thing to do. Um, Basically, T'Challa ends up winning his fight against Eric, stabs him, and Eric is pretty much dying, and he, and you know, he starts like, like, kind of being like, dang, like, you know, my dad thought that I would never see this. So T'Challa takes Eric to like the mountainside, so that he could see the sunset. Cause um, side note. The like like Eric's dad had kind of mentioned, oh yeah, you know, like Wakanda has like the most beautiful sunsets. Um and Eric just like looks upon like the land and he's just like, It's beautiful. And and he's like really like just taking it in and it's like, Yeah, my dog not been so focused on t'challa and looked around you you would have seen that you were like in the most beautiful land ever like you know you were, you were home and um seeing so, you know t'challa is like you know we can save you and and then eric is like so what so you can lock me up and then so this is the this was the scene that Nipsey was talking about in his interview, right that impacted him. And honestly, I think this impacted everyone that watched this movie. particularly if you were a person of color, I'm gonna say this right now a person of color, a black person and you were watching this movie. When you heard this line, it either made you cry or want to (laughs) cry. Like not a dry eye was in this theater when this was said, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Oh my God, like I'm getting teary eyed now um yeah like <laughs> i cried a lot in this movie and when i remember when i heard that the very first time i was like falling because i just had never heard something so like i don't even know what the word would be poignant i guess like wow because they knew death was better than bondage. Like, that, oh my god, that totally killed me. Um, <laughs> oh my god, range of emotions today. You know, and and it's crazy because, like, Nipsey Hussle, you know, when he was talking about this, he was talking about how, you know, he kind of, like, applied that to, like, kind of gang culture. Like, you know, to how he knew people who who felt like that, too, who felt like, like, dying. They'd rather die on the streets than go to jail and live their whole life in jail. And I was just like, dang, that's crazy. Never thought of it that way. So, you know, um, like, first of all, let's, I think we can all agree that's probably one of the few times, if there are any other times, that you cry when a, a the villain dies, because then he dies. You, that you cry when the villain dies that you're like dang why'd he have to go because <laughs> i bawled like a baby like that was the protagonist of this movie um when eric died like that to me was just so i don't know it it really hurt because like I said, like i've been saying it's like you see where he's coming from and that anger you know and I think a lot of us like you know people of color like we we have the definitely those moments those days those months those years where you just feel so angry at like what the world has taken from you and what uh, what the world has taken from you or what they refuse to give back and so uh, and give to you and so you're like it gets hopeless and you get like up in this anger, and then it, <laughs> you know, it's really hard to, to deal with sometimes, and it's unnerving nerfing, so, you see like, where Eric's coming from, cause you're like, I've been there before, where I'm just like, F it, let's just start flipping tables, and just like, down with like, <laughs> you know, the, like the system or whatever, like, let's just flip the system on its head, but, um, All I can say, I guess, is press on, you know, the same way we should help others, there might be someone out there who's going to help us, we just gotta, we just gotta keep on, on pressing on through, you know, through this marathon, right? And, um... And you know that's what that's what like in thinking a lot about Nipsey and like all of this, you know that's what kind of like made, led me to this right now. I was just like, wow, like he was really just trying, he you know, to to shed that negativity, that you know, bad lifestyle he was living, and and do something for him, for for his family, for the next generation. So I think you know if we. We have to definitely keep our eyes on the goal with this one. Um, like I said, Black Panther was super important on so many different levels. Um, just like culturally, you know, within the movie also, it's just like everything was just like super impactful and like just really had a message. So, you know, if for whatever reason, <laughs> if you got through this review and you haven't seen it, um, watch it, please. Let me know your thoughts. Um, you know. Uh, it's, it's a great movie. It's good. Like, I love it. Clearly. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard some of Nipsey's, like, um, music, listen to, to the album. It was his only, pretty much his only studio album released, the album is amazing, listen to his mixtapes, um, for sure, and, then like, listen to some of his interviews, like, he's got so much, like, so much wisdom to impart. so many great things, um, you know, that he, that he had on his heart to say, to encourage those, um, you know, to encourage those around us, to encourage the black community, to, to go, goal- to, to go back and, like, reinvest in ourselves and reinvest in our communities, and, um, you know, like, he's just, like, a really inspiring, a really encouraging, um, person to listen to, you know, it's a shame that, that he passed away, but like I said earlier, we can't let his death be in vain, um, I want to give a shout out To um, everyone listening right now, I really appreciate it. Um, Like, I love you guys. I promise I will maybe wait another month for another episode. (laughs) Or another two
1: months almost.
0: Um, Thank you guys for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Love you. And see you next time. and in an effort to um you know keep in line with like this mission, you know, of just uh remembering Nipsey Hussle and everything he did for for his community and um and the hip hop community, um like you know the LA community and the hip hop community as well. One of the things that uh we could do is definitely support Local black-owned businesses uh, Obviously if we find you know other black-owned businesses around the country around the world to support cool But I think also investing in our local um, small businesses our local black-owned businesses Um, is a huge thing as well. We definitely need to support each other. I know for me in miami it's kind of hard to, to at least identify if there's a black owned business. Um, there's definitely like a few that I know of, but, um, like for sure, if you know any black owned businesses like out here in the Miami area, or if you just want to like, you know, like let me know about any black owned businesses anywhere. Um, you know, I travel a lot. So (laughs) if I can like help with my patronage, why not? Um, just drop me a line. Let me know what's up, guys. Um, you know, Instagram, Snapchat. You guys can hit me up. Let me know. And, you know, like, I'm going to kind of make, like, a little list of um, Black-owned businesses that I know that I, um, you know, spend my dollars at. And I'll let you guys know and put, so we can put the word out there and support each other. Like I said, if you guys know any, um, black owned businesses that I should know about that you want to shout out, like definitely give me a holler and let me know.